you can be seated. I hope your heart has been encouraged like mine has this morning. Reminded that whatever is in our lives, we can bring it to God. He's promised us his presence and he's promised to make things new. That we can come to him in prayer with our deepest desires, the things that we wanna see him do and we can trust him with those things. And he is good and faithful to meet us in those spaces. Amen, amen, and amen. Well, good morning, Fellowship High Crest. All right, my name is Jill Rice, and I am the Director of Ministries here at our church, and I'm so glad to be worshiping with you today. Um, There is a missionary whose name was Jackie Pullinger. She graduated from college in England at the age of 22 in like the 1960s, and after she graduated, she she heard this call from God that she needed to go on um, and be a missionary. She didn't know really where to go. Um, She didn't have a sending organization. She didn't have any financial support, but she got on a slow boat to China, quite literally, and she showed up in Hong Kong. Um, That's where she got off the boat. And she was immediately overwhelmed. Um, the, there were just so many people and so many needs. Um, she was eventually drawn to this part of Hong Kong that's called the Walled City. And you can see it in the pictures on the screen. It's six and a half acre um, area of Hong Kong that was walled off from the rest of it. Um, I think there was only like two or three main entries of water into this area. Electricity was just kind of patched together. They would splice it off of one thing to another thing. And this um, area, the Chinese name for it means darkness. Drug addiction and prostitution were the number one identifiers of everyone that lived in this, this area. Um, it was just six and a half acres of the most deplorable and awful conditions you could possibly imagine human life living in. And Jackie showed up here. She didn't know the language. She didn't know anyone that lived there. But what she did know is that there were a group of people here who were created in the image of God, loved by him, and they needed desperately to hear the good news of the kingdom of God. They needed God to show up in their lives and transform them. God had opened her eyes to what Jesus calls and has said when he meant, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Today, we're going to reflect on Jesus' ministry and his first call to action to us, a call to prayer. And my prayer for us today is that we would see the need for God's kingdom in our community, in the lives of the people that God's placed in our life, and that we would begin praying for this kind of radical change to transform them. In Matthew chapter 9, 35 through 38, we see a second major transition in Matthew's gospel. The first one happened right before the Sermon on the Mount, um, where Jesus started teaching um, and healing, and we walked through that. We've walked through that for the last several months and weeks, where we've learned about Jesus' teaching and we've learned about his healing and his authority in our lives. And this signifies our passage today signifies a transition where we're going to summarize that, and then we're going to look forward to what Matthew is about to do in his gospel. And you'll see over the next few weeks, we're going to learn about him commissioning his disciples him giving their call to them. 
But these verses today, they're critical for us because they summarize why Jesus came to the earth to walk and live among us, to share his life with us, to share his ministry with us, and how he involves other people in that, how he invited the people that were walking alongside him into his life and ministry, this new way of life, this kingdom life. So what was Jesus doing? Jackie started her ministry by learning how to say, Jesus loves you in Cantonese. She didn't even know how to say that when she showed up in Hong Kong. (laughs) She would walk up to people and she would say, Jesus loves you. And they would look at her and they would say, so what? And they would say, go tell someone else. What does this mean for me? And she quickly realized that she had to show people that Jesus loved them and not just tell them. In the early days, Jackie was missing this full picture of Jesus' ministry and life. She had shared the good news with people, but she didn't share with them that the good news changes their life. So through the power of God, Jackie went on to start providing a safe place for teens to come and gather together. She had uh, the opportunity to help pull women out of prostitution She saw God miraculously heal drug addicts that had been drug addicts to heroin and opioids for decades. Just miraculously do that kind of work. And it's because she started grasping the full concept of Jesus' ministry and life on earth, what he meant by the new kingdom. See, Jesus did three things while he was here on his earthly ministry. He taught people the truth about who God is and how they should respond to them. He shared the good news of the kingdom of God with them, and he met them where their needs were at. We've seen him heal people. We've seen him do miracles, feed people, eat with people, and show up and do life with them. Several months ago, we walked through Jesus' teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, and we learned that he was really teaching in that sermon what it meant to be a part of the kingdom of God, what it meant when our lives reflect living as a part of the kingdom of God. The good news of this kingdom is, is that we no longer have to travel to a temple. We no longer have to be born Jewish. We no longer have to make animal sacrifices or depend on a priest to experience the presence of God. You see, even for the Jewish people who God was their God, to experience the presence of God, they actually had to go to the temple and participate in the temple sacrifice and temple worship. The promise of the good news of the kingdom of God and Jesus coming to earth is that he's available and his presence is available for every one of us at every moment of the day. If you've been following along in our Lent uh, reading series and reading plan, you've memorized Jeremiah 31, 33, where God promises his new covenant and his new kingdom. And it says this, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days says the Lord, I will put my instructions deep within their hearts. I will write it deep within them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. You see, for Jeremiah, he was a prophet to the nation of Israel hundreds of years before Jesus comes and walks on the earth to fulfill this promise. And he's telling them, the good news for you is that God is going to make a way for you to be in his presence by writing things on your heart. 
He is going to come and create a relationship with you. And God fulfills this through the life, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. So you say, Jill, what does that mean for me today? We need to know that the good news of the kingdom of God is still the same for us today. It is the promise of God's presence with us. And where God is, things change. They become new and whole. He makes our lives new and whole. As we read through Matthew, we have seen that when people encounter Jesus, he performed miracles, he healed them, he brought people back from the dead. He didn't even have to be present to heal them. He did miracles, he fed them, he ate dinner with disreputable people, and he shared the good news of the kingdom. The same is true for us today. The kingdom is more than good news for eternity for us and for our souls. It's good news for us today. So why is Jesus' good, good news so important? When Jackie was overwhelmed by the need of Hong Kong and the walled city, she said, I could spend my whole life on just one street and there would still be a need for more of God's love. She understood how Jesus felt when he looked out on the crowds in Galilee and he had compassion for them because they were confused. Other languages say, or other translations say that he was, they were harassed and they were helpless. Jackie saw the same thing in Hong Kong. When Jesus looked at the people in Galilee, he saw a variety of poor people. He saw a variety of people that were well off and making things happen. But he saw that all of them were oppressed by two groups of people. First, the Roman conquerors who forced them to worship the empire. And this empire worship idea. And then the second group was the religious leaders themselves, the Jewish religious leaders themselves, they had built so many hedge laws and so many specific laws in place for them to carry out their faith that it became impossible for a regular Jewish person to live out their faith in God. Many of the people were poor, they were outcasts, they were living on the margin because of the temple and because of Caesar. They lacked a shepherd king who would see their need and care for those needs instead of exploiting them. So my question for us today is, do we see our community's need? Do we experience a sense of loss? How do you respond to the people in your life that you care about? Have you talked with someone who's retired and living on a fixed income and are not sure how they're going to pay for those prescriptions? How about a teen struggling with mental illness? struggling to get through the day, and their caregivers are just trying to figure out how to walk alongside them. They desperately want to see them living healthy and flourishing lives. What happens when drugs and alcohol and pornography destroy our families? We talked a few weeks ago about demon-possessed men and how Jesus showed up in their lives, and we said that we thought that they were probably struggling with PTSD based on what we know about that area, and I know so many veterans in my own life that struggle with the same thing today, thousands of years later. People all around us are struggling with broken families and bodies, broken minds, and broken communities. They need the good news of a shepherd king that's willing to show up in their lives, who leads a kingdom who looks a lot different than the world around us. 
a kingdom where lives are transformed and hope is still alive. Jackie says this, she says, God wants us to have soft hearts and hard feet. The trouble with so many of us is that we have hard hearts and soft feet. When it says Jesus looked on the people with compassion, the word means a cramping of the bowels. (laughs) It's this emotional response that is so strong that you have a physical reaction. I'm sure many of you have been there before where you're just in so much distraught pain that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to get fixed. You don't know how it's going to get better. You feel like you can't eat. You can't sleep. I don't know what to do about it, but I know that it needs to change. Here's the critical thing, though. Jesus doesn't stop at just having an emotional response. He draws his followers in, he helps them see the need, and then he calls them to action. So how do we get to be a part of Jesus' good news? How do we get to be a part of what he's calling us to action and calling us into? See, Jackie's first response to the needs and the community that she was a part of in the needs of the walled city was to go to work and start trying to make things better. I can relate to that. Like, when I see a need, I say, man, I want to do something about it. How can I help this person? My first thought is, Jill, what can you do about this? I have a feeling many of you are the same way. You say, I want to do something about that. But the problem with Jackie and with myself and with us in these situations is that we burn out, right? There becomes an end to how much we can do. There becomes an end to me of how much I can do to fix a problem that I really don't actually have any control over, right? It starts to feel helpless. What am I supposed to do about this? We get frustrated because things aren't changing. It wasn't until Jackie became serious about praying for and over the needs of her community that she started to see real change begin to happen. You see, she had this very real experience with God where some other believers came to her and said, you need to take this in prayer and you need to be really serious about it. And it wasn't until she had given control and authority over in her life that God was the one that was going to be able to make those changes that she could see it start happening. In verses 37 and 38, we see why. It's because Jesus calls, his call to the followers wasn't to take action first, but it was to go to God in prayer. First, Jesus had opened their eyes to the need of their community so that they could have compassion on it. And then he called them to prayer for God to send people to meet those needs. Now, We're going to learn over the next few weeks as we're diving further into Matthew that uh, when we pray prayers like this, we probably need to be ready for God to be able to send us, right? He's going to want us to be a part of that answer, but we are not the only part of that answer. We're not the only solution. The difference between us deciding to meet someone's needs and God meeting someone's need is about who is in authority, You see, the difference is who is the real savior in this situation. In the first scenario, when I'm the one that's wanting to meet someone's needs, I'm the savior in the situation. And my ability to meet that need is limited by my brokenness and my incompetence 
It's dependent on my performance, which is always going to fail in the end. In the second scenario, God is the Savior. We're saying, God, we want you to do the work. And then he invites us to be a vessel for that work. He invites us to be his hands and his feet. The resources come from him. The people come from him. The solutions come from him. I've experienced over and over again that (laughs) those solutions and those resources are never what I would have dreamed up. (laughs) Right? His imagination and his abilities far outweigh my own. In 1994, the walled city that Jackie was working in, it was torn down. After decades and decades of the city being there and all of the awful things happening in it, it was torn down and a memorial was put in its place. Jackie Pollinger could not change the reality of the walled city on her own. She couldn't make it better. She couldn't fix everyone's needs. She couldn't remove it. But that's not what God asked her to do. Her role in the story was knowing and believing in the good news of the kingdom of God and that God's presence changes things. It transforms lives. It transforms places. Her role was to go to God with the needs that he had opened her eyes to and that he had broken her heart for and ask him to make the change. Ask him to send the people to do the work. Her role was to invite others along in this life-transforming process to experience the power of God. The change that happens when we give Jesus the authority in our lives. Here in a little bit, we're going to have a time to reflect on what God is showing us today and to respond to him. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, man, I want to encourage you to take this time to truly ask yourself, why have I been resisting Jesus? Why have I been holding him at a distance? Why have I been saying maybe later and not yet? Do you know enough about him to trust him with the things that you don't know? Do you know enough about his good news and the transforming work that he does in people's lives? to trust him with your own life, that he's gonna work out the things that you aren't sure about? Can you trust him to walk with you through the hard questions and the people that might judge you and the people that might just not understand what you're doing and what you're committing to, to who you're committing to? If you're ready to say, God, I can trust you with the things that I do not know and I do not understand, because I believe in what I do know about you, that you're full of compassion and love and patience, that you promise your presence in my life. If you're ready to do that today, we call that stepping over the line of faith. I wanna invite you to do that. I'm gonna pray in a moment and you can pray with me. It's just a, a time to say, God, I acknowledge that I need you as a savior. I acknowledge that you're already drawing me to you and you're changing my life already. And I want to follow you with the rest of it. You can let us know by texting CONNECT to 785-432-4544. You can uh, meet us. We'll have some volunteers at the back of the room um, at the connections table after service. And we want to know because we want to be able to walk alongside you, connect you to a group of believers that have been further down this road that can help you continue to make these 
these changes and grow in your faith. If you're already a follower of Jesus, I have two things I want to encourage you to pray for over the next few moments. The first one is that God would open your eyes and soften your heart towards the community that he's placed you in, to your neighbors, to the people around you, to your family. Allow you to see them the way that God sees them. And then my second prayer for you that I want you to pray in this next few moments is to ask him to meet the needs that you see, to send the people to meet those needs, to share the good news of the kingdom of God with them so they can experience the same changes that you've experienced. We're gonna take communion today and this is just a time for us to be able to come to God, to reflect and remember all that he's done for us. It allows us to express our faith and our trust in God's authority in our lives. We thank him for his son, Jesus, and his life and his sacrifice. We also long for and we look forward to when Jesus is gonna come back again and make all things new, right? When he's going to establish his kingdom permanently and in its fullness, when there's no more mourning or pain or sorrow, sin or brokenness. When we take communion together, you don't have to be a partner here at Fellowship High Crest to take communion with us. And we just ask that you've expressed faith in Christ alone to take part in this act of remembrance. We ask that only those that have stepped over the line of faith participate in communion because we don't want you to do something that you don't understand or that you don't agree with. Um, We're gonna hand communion to you. You're gonna come up and get it and receive it from us. We just ask that you hold on to it and we'll all take it together at the end. Pray with me. Father, we come to you today and we just give you praise. We give you glory. We are overwhelmed and grateful that you would love us so much that, that you want a personal relationship with us, that you want us to experience your presence every day of our lives. The goodness of your kingdom, how it changes our lives, that it takes burdens away, that you make things that are old and broken and dead and you bring them back to life and you make them new again. Father, We're grateful that you do this work in our own lives and I ask that you would open our eyes to see the need of the people that you've placed in our lives, in our community, in our families, in our coworkers, at our schools. Father, I pray that you would transform how we see them, that it wouldn't just be a fleeting moment, but it would be on our hearts always. God, we ask that as we become aware of the harvest in front of us, that you've placed around us, that you would raise up people every day to go to the harvest, to share the good news of your kingdom, the life-transforming news of your kingdom. God, bring more disciples, bring more followers that are willing to share the excitement of your kingdom and your presence. God, We lift these things up to you. We set them before you. And we pray all these things in your name. Amen.